Welcome to Cars on Call. I am automotive journalist Steve Schutz. I'm here with uh, automotive collector, connoisseur, historian Adams Hudson. And right now, no Stefan. No Stefan. He is he is somewhere um, uh, without enough bandwidth. Uh, that would be internet bandwidth, not his brain bandwidth. Unable to click in, but you know we're hopeful. He may join yeah. us. Uh, I'm going to channel Jack Roush here, Stefan's good friend, Jack Roush, and say Stefan is foraging for Wi-Fi. <laughs> Indeed he is. So we, we hope you find it, Stefan. Uh, he I, th- is... I think he's, he's trespassing at a neighbor's, dragging his, his laptop around the neighborhood. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to get rolling. I want to start with something that, uh, is interesting. And, and there's a couple pieces of news Adams, that I want to touch base about. Uh, the first one is there was a big conference call and, uh, this was interesting. This is Ford and Jim Farley and, um, uh, his number two, uh, Golhatra, and I, I'm blanking on his first name. They talked about the future of Ford and Ford, as we have reported, um, is breaking up into three divisions, uh, E, Pro, and uh, Blue. So Pro, of course, is uh, uh, commercial vehicles like the Transit and uh, the Transit Connect. And then E is electric, all BEV, plug-in. And then Blue is internal combustion. And interestingly, uh, Ford executives are saying their Blue division, which really in the United States is Bronco, F-Series trucks, Ranger, Maverick, those are going to grow for the foreseeable future. Good for them. You know, it's like, and, and you know, Farley's, you know, he's caught a little, little heat on this show before, but it appears he is um, leading almost down two paths simultaneously. So he's bullish on ice. We could say he's hot on ice. Ha ha. But he is actually, <laughs> he, you know, he, he's, he's going down that road, which is wonderful because, you know, as we've talked about, we feel this whole mass EV adoption is a little bit premature, uh, if even doable at all on this planet. But he's also just just inked to deal uh, to use Tesla's chargers. So he just added 12,000 charging stations instantly. So go him. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think we may have Stefan. Stefan, we said you were foraging for Wi-Fi. Now he's foraging for audio. <laughs> now he's foraging for audio. <laughs> <laughs> we can't hear you, Stefan. Unmute yourself. But yeah, he's still out there. Okay. Um, another piece of news that's related, and you just mentioned that um, Ford is tying up with Tesla and they're going to be able to use a Tesla supercharger. By the way, the only legacy automaker that is allowed to use the, uh, the Tesla uh, superchargers um is that right was that was that a condition yeah. on on ford's behalf or tesla's behalf no this is it's not an exclusive arrangement but they're the first to connect oh, the first okay i thought thought it was the only like there's no more okay they're the only as in no one else has done it yet presumably there's going to be more that kind of uh that kind of load on uh, stefan we'll give you another chance can you can you say hello Hi, can you hear me now yeah there, <laughs> there he is <laughs> Well, yeah, well, yeah, but you, did you guys read any of that interview with Farley and Musk? Farley was like kissing his ass, genuflecting at the altar of Elon Musk. Just it was it was just nauseating to hear him just, you know, talk about it. Thank you, Elon and Elon this and Elon that. And it was just 
it's a little bit grotesque at the end, but um, I'm, it's a big move for Ford, and it's a good thing. But he didn't need to kiss his ass like that. So so the Stephane, point I, I did earlier, not. Yeah, I did. I did not see that. I only read the part. And it, so, so you're saying that uh, that that he he's bought into Elon's Musk oil. Yeah, he still <laughs> has, man. He is, he is he is drinking the fountain of youth there with the Elon man. I tell you what, but well, good- I I think you know you you, you do what you got to do, and yep. um, he recognizes the problem we've been talking about, which is infrastructure for charging is a big problem, and uh, it's been solved by Tesla. So if you can hook onto that wagon, that's the way to go. Um, what do you think? I bet his dealers aren't buying into the whole Ford E and don't want to put superchargers up at the dealerships. That's something I had to wonder about. Why aren't his dealerships putting in two charging stations? Now? Yeah, my answer is it's a million dollars with uh, uncertain and probably no return on that money. Right, go um, we've got to move on. And uh, the second point of news I'm going to mention very briefly is uh, the best selling vehicle in the world in Q1. 2023 was uh, announced and uh i will just say and adams uh you already know the answer so stevan i'll ask you i'll tell you number three is the toyota hilux number two is a toyota corolla what do you think number one is uh maybe a toyota tesla model y what yeah, yeah. shocking wow. that is True. yeah so uh with that piece of news we're going to move on um we got to move on to safety and uh, Stefan, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're here. It was a little. You were foraging for Wi-Fi. You found it. Yeah, I finally found. Well, we're today's going to be a public service announcement for boating safety. If you all see, you can see the lake behind me there. Um, so even though it had to do with automotive, I do want to talk about uh, boating and summertime safety because part of the trauma surgeon, I took care of. Uh, three unfortunate individuals who um, one was a father who ran over his daughter with the boat, mm. a husband who ran over his wife in the boat, and another was a fisherman who fell out of the boat and got run over by the boat. Um, the commonality in these accidents, these type of boating accidents where you run somebody over, is typically a bass boat, whether you're using the bass boat to tube or do something, and and the, and they're not wearing a kill switch. There's a reason you have a kill switch in a boat and I wear mine. And the biggest reason you want to wear your kill switch in the boat is you don't get pulled over by Marine patrol. If you wave at the Marine patrol and he sees the lanyard hanging off your arm, you automatically already told the guy subconsciously that, Hey, you know, I'm not out here dicking around. I've got my safety latch on, but I have actually reached and pulled the latch on my boat surfing when I got a little too close to somebody. And it's just a fantastic way to immediately cut the power and um you know and if somebody falls off the boat you hit a big wave kids sitting in the front of the boat fly off you're not going to run them over and kill them um so and then the other thing i want to talk about in safety is is if you've got little kids do not let the kids bow ride you'll see it's all over the internet people on pontoon boats kids sitting on the front of the boats dragging their feet in the water while the boat's scooting along it's just it's just a bad idea and um even small kids in the very front of a boat you can hit a big wave and they can get ejected and if you're sending your kids off to to be with somebody to have fun with their with their friends at another lake house discuss with those parents how they feel about life jackets swimming after dark those are all things important we have on our lake 
we have a, a we have a couple of drownings every year um unfortunately during different times of the year we also have the issue on our lake of electricity we have floating docks so the water goes up and down so people have ac household current on a freshwater lake and in a freshwater lake there's nowhere for the current to go because there's no ions and cations in the water so the water hangs out like balls of static electricity when you have a leak and then you get in the water and then you get electrocuted and it only takes a a third of the power of a 40 watt light bulb to put you into muscle spasm in the water and then you drown because you can't swim. So um, big issue on lake. So it's not an issue on houseboats and things like that because they, they're all DC powered. But if you're somebody who's got AC power on a dock, just, I, you know, I, I don't, I won't go on a dock that's got AC power. That's a floating dock. Different story. If it's a dock that's got wood pilings that go into the ground, that's kind of different than a floating dock, but just thing to think, think about. And even pools, if you've got a swim pool, your kids go to pool if they're not good swimmers. So we always had the rule at our lake house that um, when the kids were younger, if they left the deck of the house, they'd have the life jacket on. Didn't matter what they're doing. They were playing in the yard. They had the life jacket on. But it was we as parents could keep imbibing, having a good time, and not have to worry about one of our kids drowning because they all had life jackets on. So just public service announcement for the summer, be safe out there and um, bad things happen to kids in the summertime. It's the highest time where kids get injured. Um, pediatric trauma rises big time because they're bicycles, they're four wheeling, they're, they're going to the lake, they're doing a lot of outdoor activities. So just, just think about a little bit of conscious, a little bit of safety consciousness in the back of your head. Uh, Stefan, I lived on an Alabama lake that looked just like the one you're at. You know, uh, you're, you're a little bit more in North Alabama. Uh, lived there full time for six years, and we saw all kinds of crazy activities. And I'm not saying I'm innocent of the following, but certainly one thing that tends to happen uh, with boaters, especially holiday weekends and long summers, is the blood alcohol content. And I'm sure that had to have played some factor in, in what it is that, that, that you saw, because people feel like, hey, I'm, I'm not driving. I'm not going to get a, you know, a, a DUI. I mean, they, they can still get a DUI, but uh, most lakes are so under patrol, they just sort of take that as a liberty just to, to, to over imbibe and all day long. Yeah, and you mentioned that. Adams, and, that's, and, yeah. and a lot of the boat crashes occur at night, and it's always alcohol. And that's the other thing is, you don't. You do not want to be out on the water in a boat at night if you can absolutely avoid it. It's just it is super dangerous, especially if there's no, if there's no moonlight. Um, full moonlight's a different story, but no moonlight. Boats don't have headlights, and you got a spotter up there. And you know, we when we do it, um, we have our GPS on. We're coming home from a friend's house, but I rarely. I don't like to be on the water at night. No, you can't see each other. You're going to run into another boat or you're going to run into something. So, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about, I forgot to say what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to do car spotting. Adams has a really cool car. And then we're going to talk about platform sharing. And the reason to do that is we made the point last week that one of the problems with Cadillac was that they took the Chevy Nova and made it into a Cadillac, the Cadillac, the, the first gen Cadillac Seville. And it was a problem. And we're going to talk about platform sharing, good, bad, and ugly. But um, Adams, car body well I, I look forward to this one and i actually i look super forward to to the the good bad and ugly of the platform sharing that's going to be good so folks out there please like follow subscribe tell everyone you know to tune into cars on call for hot topics like this 
And a not so hot car on car spotting this week is the Citroen. We would call it in, in uh, English 2CV, but it's a deux chevaux. And I'll have to uh, defer to my French co-host to say that correctly. Now, you did not see this in, in Florida. What's that? You didn't see it in Florida. Where'd you see it? Well, I actually, I, I saw the one that may be popping up. Uh, I, I saw that one in Italy. However, the people in this beach town where I live uh, do like that car. There are two of them I see with some regularity, a light green one. Wow. And a, I'm serious. And, and a tan one. And uh, Du Chevaux, uh, Stefan may have to set us straight. I think that's French for uh, a snail on wheels. Is that what that means? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, I, I love the Dechevaux. I think every everybody of my generation probably learned in France to drive it in a Dechevaux. Um, and Dechevaux, TC means two steam, which is taxable horsepower. And they actually had a total of nine horsepower on the original ones. Yeah, that's but, almost certainly the first car ever to be named for something related to the tax code. Yeah. And then interesting. And there's a lot of neat things about the cars. The um, the. The Dishavo was made from 1948 to 1990. They made 9 million of them if you include the derivatives that they came about. But that's got to be the longest lived single model. Has to I mean, be. That, that, and, um, that changed so little. The, and the root was really neat is the um, prototype was called the TPV, the Toute Petite Voiture, I mean, very small car. And Citroen wanted to kind of revolutionize France the way that the Model T did. Uh, Henry Ford in America. They saw what that did to America for farmers, everybody. So they decided they needed a tiny car. It had to be able to carry 50 kilos, which is 120 pounds of produce to market at a speed of 50 miles an hour across muddy, unpaved roads. It had to be economic. And more famously, it had to be able to carry a basket of eggs across a plowed field without breaking them. <laughs> oh, wow. What a, what a bunch of designers. That's incredible. Matters. That's terrific. And so they built it. It's been called the Umbrella on Wheels. Um, and the Citroen's got front suicide doors. The top actually rolls from the top all the way down the back. So if you wanted to, you could stand something up in the back. Interestingly, it has the same wheelbase, 94.5 inches of beetle. Um, and a couple other cool facts. It was the very first front-wheel drive car to sell a million vehicles. And then Michelin introduced and first commercialized the revolutionary radial tire design on the introduction to the Dechevaux. Wow. So, um, Interesting. Boy, that yeah. another French collaboration. Now, my very, so a couple of other cool facts that, uh, about the Dechevaux. Um, my cousin in France actually drove his, probably at the time, 30-year-old Dechevaux from France all the way to Morocco. <laughs> yeah. Through Turkey, Whoa. everywhere. Has, has he gotten there yet? Home. Has <laughs> he gotten there yet? <laughs> he's, still, he's halfway there. As my cousin Golzag, <laughs> you know, my cousin Golzag, he told us about that story. And then um, my favorite Dishavo was the 4x4 Sahara. So they wanted one for the desert. So they put a motor in the back and a motor in the front. They weren't connected anyway. So you basically, they took the front motor and everything, stuck it in the rear, and you had a little dial in the in the front where you could kind of fine tune the acceleration between the two motors. Um, That's crazy tech. What was that called? A force four chevaux? <laughs> four chevaux. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be four by four by 16, but Hey, I, so Mr. Trivia Adams here, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into your brain. Okay, what famous car movie was the Dishavo in? A great chase scene. The French Connection. No, how about? Oh, you gotta admit that was a swell guess, though. <laughs> it was a great guess, and it wasn't Peter Sellers? But no, 1981, for your eyes, for your eyes only, James Bond. Roger Moore was being chased by the baddies. He was in a, a Dishavo going through that Spanish olive farm. Remember going down? And he's yeah. being chased by Peugeot 504s. Um, so it's a cute, cute fun fact. I, I know you've laughed at me, Abs, but I, I do. And, and Stephen, I do, I'm even a, when you're not on the show. Okay. I just, <laughs> you, all right. L- listeners and Abs. Okay. Chris Harris, the, the most famous automotive hooning journalist of our time. He has, he loves his Dishavo. And he drives that thing. And, you know, driving a dish of O at nine tenths is, is you're not going very fast, but it's an absolute blast. Uh, they're fun cars. He you calls know, it I, pure driving pleasure. He said it's, it's absolutely the essence of driving pleasure. Yep. You know, I would like, I've seen a bunch of them. I've really, I have to admit, I've not even really looked in one. And it's just incredible that you mentioned that, that those were the design parameters given to the team. This is that, you know, the things that you have to fulfill. And one of my favorite, I, I, I found this online, one of my favorite automotive uh, writers of all time, LJK Setright. What a, oh, fantastic, yeah, that's right. yeah. what a fantastic name. But um, he said, and he was, uh, God rest his soul, a very eloquent he described the, uh, the Ducheveau as, quote, the most intelligent application of minimalism ever to succeed as a car and a car of remorseless rationality. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It's a, a lot of three syllable words in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But doesn't that doesn't that say it the best? If it really yeah. is the, the Nissan Xterra tagline, everything you need, nothing you don't. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, it, 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 we need one in the cars on call fleet. And I think I know who would be the likely person to go ahead and do that. Yeah. yeah you, you provide, we'll go for a road trip. You provide the, uh, the Dershavo and uh, Adams and I will provide the Galois's cigarettes and the espresso. There we go. <laughs> I think and we a, have a plan a, and a baguette. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of bags, I, I'm I'm afraid in the Dusha <laughs> our our uh our, our our safety correspondent up there might might realize that the only airbag in one of those would be us three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh moving on to platform sharing. And we we got into this last week because we said one of the problems for Cadillac, and I just said this is going from a Chevy Nova to a Cadillac Seville. And it was a bad idea. And there, you know. And that got all of us thinking, hey, you know, all over automotive, there is platform sharing all the time. It's only going to get more, especially with electric cars. Basically, everyone's going to have this skateboard. It won't even be that different between different or among different manufacturers. So uh, we wanted to look back and talk about different platform sharing. And, um, you know, we can all agree that uh, a bad one was going from the Chevy Nova to the the Cadillac Seville. A good one would be the, uh, the Volkswagen Touareg. Uh, leading to the the Porsche um, Cayenne. But there's some good, there's some bad. And most importantly, uh, especially for our conversation, there is some ugly, some ugly platform sharing. So we all made a list. I want to go through it. I want to start with all of us going through our good. And uh, I guess uh, while you have Wi-Fi, Stefan, I did make the point that you were foraging for Wi-Fi. 
and uh, I'm glad you found it. So go ahead and start with with your good platform sharing where you're like, you know, this actually was a win-win. It's a win for the the lower platform and it's a win for the upper platform. Well, I got to tell a story first. So um, we were at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house and Ellen, to- Ellen reminded me of this story. This one, this, that penguin had fallen off my iceberg. She said, you don't remember we were at uh, Tommy and Laura's house and, and she had, a, she had the, the brand new Lexus ES 300 and she was so proud of her Lexus. And apparently I made the comment at the table. That's just nothing but a gussied up Camry. And she oh. was more, she was mortified. It's true. It is. It she was, true. She was right. completely mortified that she was, she was driving a Toyota Camry, just gussied up. I mean, so <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet she hasn't. <laughs> 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 all right so i'm gonna to go to the high end of um platform sharing that worked the, the really high end um the bmw 7 series and the rolls royce dawn convertible oh that's good that is good so i've never been a, i mean the, the 7 series you know they've everybody always audi at the s8 and everybody tries to be an s-class mercedes and they really just can never quite do it but to think that Rolls Royce made that gorgeous Dawn convertible with that platform, and you know, without platform sharing, without platform sharing, there probably wouldn't be a new Rolls Royce because you know the to hmm. to make that investment in a new unibody and um, everything. So that's that's my one of my that's one of my, that's like um, good to just fabulous. So it, it meets the spectrum of change, but it's not ugly. I do have I do have a couple others, but. How about you, Adams? What you got? Let's see. I don't know. That's going to be somewhat difficult to top. I didn't even see that one coming. But um, but mine on the on the good platform sharing would be the Audi R8 to the Lamborghini Gallardo. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and 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 to me, and Steve, I'm glad you mentioned that about you know it it kind of did both good. You know, the 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 donor, the host, um, Audi had a rather sort of not boring image, but just sort of the same old, same old. And man, they started, you know, knocking out victories in Lamar with the, that R8 and then bring out this, this streetcar by the same name. And certainly Lamborghini, though, you know, pretty sexy as far as an allure. Reliability was never in their top uh, things you would say about a Lamborghini. And they end up getting a great, super well screwed together platform uh, out of their uh, their entry level car, which ended up selling like absolute crazy. And I don't know. I think it, I think it did both of them pretty well. And, you know, you've got the V10, the, the sort of um, exotic V10 under the, under the, uh, the bonnets, the mid-engine bonnets of both other than the first gen. And I'll mention this as a dark horse, the Audi R8 with 4.2, the real Audi motor, that V8 negated six speed, I think is sort of a dark horse for collectability. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, that's. I think it's great. The Audi R8 is fantastic, and it came out before uh, Audi bought Porsche. And uh, once they bought, or once Volkswagen bought Porsche, the Audi R8 never, didn't really have a point anymore, except to provide stuff for Lambo. So um, I think the R8 won't last too much longer, but because uh, it's a direct afraid. competitor, direct competitor to the 911. Yep, yep, sure is, and it's a little bit more understated. It's like the the, the R8 is like the less flamboyant 
Lamborghini. I mean, if you if, if you own a Lamborghini and forgive if I, this is offensive to people, but I mean, you have some degree of exhibitionism in you, but you can drive an Audi R8 to church or to the store on a trip and, and just not feel like you're doing that. Yeah. Stefan and I drove them at Sonoma. Stefan, that was fun. That car is a blast to drive. We did it. We did the Audi R8 driving school on the track at Sonoma and you're by yourself in the R8 and it is a fabulous car. We really enjoyed it and felt very, I mean, it felt just glued to the road. It had great acceleration and it was a good time. What you guys come down? For about two I, I, years. We, yeah, we, for the, uh, the bad and the ugly, we'll just go through one, two, three for each of us. But I, I will tell you my, I think this is like the top because no one ever notices it. Uh, and, and what I would say is, uh, if, uh, you Stefan were to go to dinner at somebody's house, uh, you probably say something, but most people would not say something. So here's the, <laughs> here's the dinner one. Um, and this is, I think that like the best crossover platform sharing, because no one talks about it, unlike the ES and it was a gigantic success. Uh, the Toyota Highlander and the, uh, Lexus RX. And that's the best-selling luxury vehicle in the United States. It's hugely profitable. And I think you're right, Stefan. Most people with the ES, you know, someone has mentioned or they kind of know it's a Camry. No one ever talks about the fact that the RX is just a Highlander. No, you're right. That, Sorry. They, they don't. And, and I think a lot of RX owners just just, just perked up and said, what? It is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. telling me? <laughs> we, we just lost half our subscribers no that that's a great pick we we had an rx for a while well actually you know my, my wife and, and her family they they drive cars almost literally till the wheels come off and we put about one hundred and ten thousand miles on that vehicle and it was just fantastic the rx excuse me did i say ex i meant no RX. you said rx okay yeah and it was fantastic we took it on family trips it did everything we could ever ask of it and it was as you would imagine dead reliable Give us your next two, Stefan. I want to, I want to hear right, your, is, By the right, way, the seven series to the dawn, I think so far is the best one. All right. Well, I've got uh, here. This, this is going to be the actually making a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Okay. How about the Dodge Caliber? And guess what it shares a platform with? I, I hope the scrapyard. I don't know. The, the Jeep, the Jeep Compass, Jeep Patriot. The Mitsubishi Evo X. What? Yeah, know that I did. Yeah, I so no yeah, the Dodge Caliber, ugly, cheap, slow piece of crap, turns into the different company, the cool, fast, complex Mitsubishi Evo X. How about that? Had no idea they had they shared one strand of DNA. Yeah, I, I was surprised too. I was like, what? Incredible! It's like the you know the the athletic kid who's got an ugly fat father. <laughs> and then the other ugly duckling that turned did well my favorite car if i could own one to be a bentley continental and of course that is based off the vw phaeton uh, yeah. which was a complete disaster for vw um so those, those two another one there was a silk purse there out of that sow's ear yeah i think it's a good one because they they took they took a car that nobody really wanted uh, I think the idea that Phaeton was fantastic. And the idea was that if you don't care about what people think, you just want a great luxury car and you're so understated and you're so secure in yourself, you don't care what people think. This is the car for you. And and it what it what it pointed out was in the world, there's like nobody who's that secure. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and also pulling up to your VW service uh, facility and whether it was the dealership or aftermarket, if an aftermarket tech would even touch a phaeton and you'd, you'd come in there for a 30,000 mile service in, in your, in your phaeton and it'd be six grand. I, yeah. I'm not that secure. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of funny. All right. That's good. Adams, go give us your next two. Okay. Mine is one, one that we, we have referenced on this show before, and it's the first one that popped into my head and I, I, I couldn't do it any better. The Ford escape to the Bronco sport. Oh, that's yeah. good. God yeah. help us all. Yes. <laughs> I mean that, that, you know, Ford, Ford should have never tampered with that nameplate. They should have named it something differently. Um, because the Bronco, the real Bronco is actually a pretty, pretty good car, but the Bronco sport is just sort of a butched up escape. And it's, butched I don't know. Up. It, what, what's that? Butched up. Yeah. <laughs> I caught that Adams. I know you well, probably let that one slide through there. Well, this it's, it's the Dylan Mulvaney of the lineup. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a rotten <laughs> car. They should have truly just not either. Well, I, I guess they made it because it's an entry level, but if they'd called it something completely different, I don't know if they would have sold fewer of them. I'm not sure, but it just, it just, it's so confusing that they're both called Broncos. I completely, I completely disagree. Cause, cause I completely disagree because this was genius. By the way, the Dylan Mulvaney of the lineup is the escape, not the Bronco sport. So the Bronco sport has some manliness to it. Um, you know, Dylan Mulvaney, Bill Dylan Mulvaney does not have bandwidth. Easy for you to say. Bronco Sport has some, yeah, no, has some, has some, you know, some good stuff to it. I mean, it's, it's. I think it was a smart move. I think if they took the escape and they added price, and they they saved a lot of money, and they're selling tons of them. And the people who buy those, they you know, they're getting a little veneer of Bronco. And if you want a real Bronco, get it. You can get a real Bronco. I have no problem with it. Okay, when let's you say you're, take, you're a Bronco owner and a guy in a Bronco sport pulls up next to you. Do you feel a kinship and you high five your fist bump? <laughs> no. No, you don't. I, I just think it served the nameplate. Okay. Well, this is, uh, this is supposed to be a good one, though. We're still on good. Oh, I'm on bad. Yeah, I thought so. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going I've, with that. You got to give us two more good ones. I've gone straight to bad. I did one good, one bad, one ugly. This was my bad. Oh, I just want to say, do you think that do you think they're sitting around at Ford and said, you know what? Range Rover has the full on Rover and then they got the sport. Why don't we borrow that? They've, you know, Range Rover kind yeah. of set the precedent. And I, I, I got a feeling that they they kind of copied um, Range Rover on that. But hell, it's, they're selling a shit ton of them. So. You know, we're supposed gotta, to have yeah. three of each. <laughs> well, I, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to let you go with your next good one. I'm going to have to conjure something up. <laughs> Underprepared. But, uh, I, I, I'm, you know, what's funny. I'm going to, the, the only reason I take issue is not that it's, I'm going to say it's a good one uh, because they, they're making money with very little effort. That is not the requirement for <laughs> Stephane, good. Stefan, what do you think? Yeah, just, they, they is, it, is it bad or is it good? I it's like the Mustang Maki, you know, it's it's marketing and they got it and it's working. So just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not I it's good for the company and it's good for sales. So but I don't like it. 
I, I, I think agree it's a that. cynical move. How about that? I think it's a okay, cynical move. Go. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give two more good ones, and I think that uh, there's one of these that Adams is gonna go crazy. Uh, I think in a good way, Adams, in a, in a good way. So I'll say the one you're not gonna go crazy. Uh, and this is just this was marketing genius, maybe uh, the most significant vehicle of the last 30 years, maybe. And I would say probably the most significant vehicle of the last 30 years. That was Ford taking the Ford Ranger and making the first generation Ford Explorer out of it. A gigantic home run for Ford. It was a win-win. The Ranger was just an okay small pickup. And they took that platform and they turned it into this overnight home run success. Absolutely. I do agree with that completely. Because when that Explorer came out, I think half of my friends owned one within a year. Yeah, and Stefan, you I know you're a fan of the Explorer, maybe not the safety <laughs> rollover, but it just keep Stephane, your tires was, inflated. That was you're right. That was an absolute genius move, yeah. move on their part. But you know, um yeah, and I remember right when that Explorer came out, they came out the Eddie Bauer package, and it was now the high-end version, the low-end version. And yeah, that was a genius move, taking an existing platform like that. You know, they tried it with the expedition. That really didn't work, unfortunately. I, I like the expedition. It didn't have the same. Magic I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry. For, the excursion, the big excursion. Right. But even the expedition didn't have the same magic as the Explorer. No. It was good, but not great. Yeah, the Explorer great. was great. All right. My, my last one for good. Again, I, you know, Adams, you're going to explode with happiness. Okay. <laughs> uh, the E39 BMW M5 into the uh, Z8 BMW convertible. That was a wow. genius move. It was win-win. It didn't take away from the M5. The Z8 is so desirable now. That was a win-win. Yes, all the way around. And I am. I don't know if you can tell by by, by looking at me, but I am exploding with happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> that is, that's a fabulous pick. I wish I'd come up with that. So I'll just second that and claim that as one of mine. That's good. All right. So we we came up with one bad. I'm going to give you that out of the, uh, the, the uh, escape to... Uh, Philip Mulvaney, uh, I mean, the <laughs> Bronco Sport. So, Stefan, give us give us a bad one. Okay, here's a fail. I can't wait and for the uglies, by the way. Oh, this is, a, I mean, I'm just kind of mixing them all here. This is fail and ugly, all wrapped into one. The Fiat 500EX and the Jeep Renegade. Mm. Two of the ugliest cars, I think, rolling around that just don't really fit any category that aren't good at anything. And, uh, yeah, it's just bad and badder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Keep going. Give us another, keep going right. with your bads. All right. Here's, okay. Here's another bad. This one, this one's one of these is bad. Um, okay. The Jeep grand Cherokee and Mercedes Benz GLE, which the GLE oh, is the most awful looking thing I've ever seen come out of Mercedes Design Studios. It's just terrible. I don't even know what that thing is supposed to be, but it's just so proportions are off. It's got oversized tires. It's got some funky rear engine thing. They put all kind of badges all over it. Just that that to me is a complete fail on a platform show. That was a fail. And, you know, for, for, a, for a company that we consider very wise and very analytical, Mercedes, they, they came up with that vehicle and it's like it was the answer to a question no one asked. Right. It was, just, it was, it was searching for a market desperately and just didn't really latch onto one. Uh, <laughs> it's the question 
to the answer from a 48 year old woman in a really nice subdivision what can i get that makes my girlfriends think i have money <laughs> <laughs> that was it yeah. that must yeah. one batted around at the marketing meeting and uh, most of them are leased uh you know hairdressers lease them real estate agents lease them like crazy and uh right, what you got, that, you got it okay you got one more is that is it i thought that was um that, that, okay if you know that's a couple right. others but well yeah actually that was two you gave you gave us three right. um you know i actually you know i said uh that the 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 gen two camry to the gen one uh lexus es250 but you kind of said that one so i'm I, I got a couple more here's one that's just this is a great car that they made into a stupid car and that is <laughs> Very recently, this is like 2017, 2018, the Mazda Miata into the Fiat 124 Spider. Oh my gosh. A Adams, there, that, that's going to make your head explode, right? Hurts my heart because yeah. uh, one of my favorite vehicles of all time and had a bunch of them is the Pantera. The Pantera was drawn by Tom Tiara, an American, uh, although uh, lived his career, uh, you know, he's uh, Dutch descendants. He lived his career in Italy and he was a brilliant designer. And he also drew the Ferrari 330 GT, a few others, and the Fiat 124. So that was the original one. Yes, sir. The original one, which was a handsome little car. And Fiat made a bunch of those. And I've had one of those. It was probably the second car I ever owned in my life, Fiat 124. And when I saw they were coming out with it and just sticking words on a, on a, Mazda that never belonged on there. None of that made sense. I couldn't even understand why would they do that. And of course, I think they've sold like twelve of them. Yes, Stefan, you got to be. Aren't you disgusted because you have a Miata? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the worst of badge engineering. It's the worst example of badge engineering I've seen in the last ten years. Um, and yeah. I didn't say it was ugly because both cars are actually decent because it's basically yeah. a Miata. And then, and the, then the, the new version of the Fiat 124 actually looks pretty good, but it's, it's a, it's a stain on, on humanity. Uh, so, um, so it's not ugly, but that doesn't mean it's not morally wrong. Um, and let's, let's, oh, I'll give you my bad one. Then we'll move on to ugly. Uh, my second bad one, this is the mid two thousands, uh, around 2007, 2008 Mercedes SLK to the Chrysler Crossfire. Wow, and that yeah. just was bad. The SLK was a decent car, but not a great car. And then the Crossfire was just like, what? It didn't fit into Chrysler's lineup. Uh, Adams, you must be disgusted by that, too. That was bad. I, I am. That is bad. That was a very good pick on your behalf. But yes, the Chrysler Crossfire, um, th that's, a, that's another car that was just, just misunderstood from the beginning. And it shared that very unfortunate rear hump, like the second gen Seville that we talked about that, you know, that that sort of tucked under sort of buttocks looking thing. It's too short on the back. And the, and the crossfire was, you know, it, 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 it had no market when it came out. It's like they just decided, it was like the, the people who came out with the prowler got a hold of the, of the marketing money and said, well, let's make another disaster. And they came out with the crossfire. Oh, yeah. Stefan, you got nothing to say? I got that car. Just, I mean, it's like I don't even know what to say about that car. It's like, <laughs> I remember that crossfire. And I'm just thinking myself, like, what, what the hell is this thing? And um, yeah, you're right. I think it was 
You never saw me. <laughs> I don't even know what to, I'm, You're I'm searching I, for words. I, I'm searching for words to think. What a, what a, that was just the ugliest piece of shit car, and it's just <laughs> bizarre. And yeah, shame on them. <laughs> yeah. All right, the Chrysler WTF. All right, let's move on to ugly because this is where all the meat is. There's some ugly shit out there in the in the crossover platform world. So, uh, uh, Stefan, you want to go nuclear here? Okay. Well, this is the. How about the Nissan 370Z, which I think actually is pretty. I like the new Nissan. I like it, but they turned that into the Infiniti QX70. This crossover thing. That's yeah. What's the big deal? <laughs> it's like a gerari man it's like taking a and doing something I'm like you're just like no no That's the gerari gets an honorable mention again no yeah. but that, that really is like that i'm just like no that's just not it's just so wrong yeah, that's, well, it's the reason that the it's the reason that the 370z is so heavy it's way too heavy for its size yeah it is. I feel yeah, sorry for the 370Z because that's another revered nameplate. And we've mentioned a few of these. It's almost like a theme that that the, the car makers say, well, hey, there's a name that people remember fondly. Let's foul it up royally. <laughs> and they they just never gave the 350, 370Z a real fighting chance. Well, they, what they should have done, and we, we've talked about this, what they should have done is they should have taken what, what ended up being the GTR and made Correct. that into a Z and then not make the Z so heavy and then, you know, do the platform and don't make a Z out of it. Make all your infinity crossovers and your, your, your Nissan crossovers, but make the Z the GTR. I think that it, that would have been a triple win for Nissan and all the lovers of the 24280 Z and all the Zs that, that followed thereafter. Um, I think it would have been a great win. So, so doubling up, not just make, not make the 370Z so heavy, but it also wouldn't have made the GTR so ugly. Yeah. <laughs> That's an, un- yeah. yeah, that is, a, it, it's like this, this crazy performer and it does right. so much right in, in specs, but it is just, it's just painful to look at. Yeah. I think they could have made, they take the GTR platform, make a Nissan Z out of it and also make an infinity sedan out of it, a sports sedan. And now you've got something, uh, you've got a, a 350 or, a, you know, Nissan Z and you've got an infinity M3. And I think that's a, that's a win-win. So, um, all right. Uh, I guess it's Devon, other ugly ones, or should we move on to Adams or what do you think? Well, I got, I, I'm going to just knock out the last two that kind of yeah. irritate me. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so, when you we have two major companies get together to try to make a sports car, it just doesn't work. Okay, the BMW Z4 and the Toyota Supra and the Subaru BRZ and the Toyota Six. The, the marriage you, of you making, mean this one? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stole the, my thunder. The the marriage of two companies trying to make a little two door sports it, it there's just way too much compromise in terms of design technology that you end up with a you end up you end up with a very mediocre sports car that's not really great at anything and and doesn't really look very good either uh, i mean it's like schizophrenia on wheels is what it is <laughs> it is it just it still can't decide yeah. if it wants to be uh and you know and i keep picking on this and I, honestly i don't mean to be just wearing this out but the toyota does not have many name plates and all their 
trillions of sales. They don't have many name plates that that sort of evoke an almost cultish following. You know, once you get past the Land Cruiser, you sort of don't have much. Yeah, you could say the Tacoma, but there are 87 jillion of them and there's nothing too unique. Um, but the Supra had it. The Supra had uh, a legacy understanding. It, 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 it had the gene pool from which people would sort of, you know, reverently like bow to Toyota because, oh my gosh, you know, the Supra, what an awesome thing. And then when they come out with it, they come out with a competitor's platform, a competitor's motor. And it just, it, you know, it, and, and like Stefan mentioned, the looks, I mean, it was all uh, bulbous and it sort of had Botox in the wrong places. You know, it had the bee sting looking lips on the front and then it had the Beyonce rear and it had scoops. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I see that car and my skin crawls. You need to think about, you know, the last generation real Supras, they're selling for like 150 grand on yes. auction sites. I yeah. mean, like you said, those, there is a dedicated core of jdm enthusiasts that if they were to make a new super today a a real super okay not this schizophrenic marriage with the germans they were to make a real one they'd sell a ton of them agree it, it would be a profitable vehicle for them i agree man and they could have priced it about where they wanted if it were stood on its own merit yes yeah that was a shame um although you know we talked about how ford blue which is internal combustion engines they're saying it's going to be strong for the foreseeable future how about bmw blue bmw is selling so sell, they're selling engines to toyota to put into the supra and they're selling all every single range rover range rover sport is powered by a bmw internal combustion engine and that's a good looking vehicle the range rover i mean you know that thing i think they've done a lot right yeah so uh you got another ugly one stefan um well that was a good one yeah (laughs) i I really always thought that chevy super the super deserves all the shit it gets yeah i always (laughs) thought the chevy camaro was some kind of transformer ever since it was in the bumblebee camaro in the movie i'm like that's just just i just think they look awful and of course i quit megan but that and the cadillac ats share the same platform and what a forgettable car that is as well um but so not, that's I think that's I think that's the end of my list that I got down. All right, so, ugly uh, Stevan, ugly. Or I'm sorry, Adams, uh, ugly. Well, I you know I, since since I didn't properly prepare my list, but I was very lengthy on on the ones that I chose. I'm going to have to uh, look a little bit back over our shoulder. The one the the car that actually started this off this whole conversation about the Cadillac as piece of a Nova. Um, what we may not have uh, elaborated on last time, and I don't think we did at all, is that that the Nova was just a benign little car and it you know, never, never hurt anybody's feelings. It sort of got its school teachers from A to B, and that's what it did. But then I got to thinking about it later, had GM was so blatant in their offense about yeah. building on that, that they even made an Oldsmobile version, the Omega. They made a Pontiac version, the Ventura. They made a Buick version, the Apollo. And if you look at that, those first letters spell Nova. Oh, I never thought about that. And then you make the S out of Seville. So now you've got Novas. And they were just right up front with it and just sort of almost, it was a little bit taunting to the American public to say, look what we've done as cheaply as humanly possible. And now we stuck the badge on the Cadillac. So if you look back in, in the history of Cadillac, I think there was a, 
a sort of a genetic break at about that point. And so that was really, to me, just the, the biggest defense of all. It was maybe, yeah, the GM surrender. I like that. I, that's a great point. I really like that a lot. Uh, I got some ugly ones that didn't get everyone's blood pressure up. Um, and Stefan, you're going to go berserk with the first one because this <laughs> this is this is an outrage. Uh, and I'm still pissed off about it, even though this is the uh, 40th anniversary of this outrage. Uh, we're going to continue to pile on GM. 1982, uh, 83, I'll say, because it's a 40th anniversary. Chevy Cavalier Cadillac Cimarron. Oh, oh God, that thing. I mean, the, the, there was a there was a, a, a Chevy. I'm sorry, a Cadillac executive who I'm sure at a wine fuel dinner was asked by a journalist and they did not quote him by name. So that was nice. But they said, what's the difference between the, the Cavalier and the Cimarron? He said about eight thousand dollars. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you talk about badge engineer. All they did was put some more chrome trim, a leather interior, new wheels on. I, I, I think it shared every single body panel, but ex except for maybe the grill and the taillights. It was, that was the worst example ever of badge engineering. It was the, the Nova to the Seville uh, times 10. It was uh, GM accelerating their surrender. It was an outrage. And then they name it like something you put on your toast in the morning too. You know? <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm going to move on quickly to a different one. And we have talked about this, Stefan, you and I on the show, and it's the Sabaru. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the WRX hey, Subaru was changed into the Saab hey. 92X. Yeah, Can you believe, I mean, Adams, give me a break. That wasn't a Saab. It wasn't a Saab, and Saab is another, you know, one of those nameplates. It had such a unique personality. You know, you, you would you would see the BMWs and the Audis and the Volvos and 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 the different versions of of kind of the same thing. You know, sort of a variation of a theme. Saab pops around and does everything differently. It looked different. It was designed by aircraft engineers. Saab, formerly being an aircraft company, it had unique answers to how they went about making an automobile. It was sort of like that friend that we all have who really is everyone's friend, but he's the quirky version of the friend and entertaining and sort of surprising. That was Saab's thing. And yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a Subaru. Yeah, the flat four engine was a Subaru engine. Transmission was a Subaru transmission. It was a, it was a complete outrage. Also outrageous was the Chevy Trans Trailblazer, which begot the Saab 97X. Nothing to do with Saab. It was an embarrassment. It was this was now Saab waving the white flag. If I were working for Saab, don't you think Adams, you would have been just you would have you would have resigned in disgrace or just been so embarrassed if you were Swedish? Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure the Swedish looked at the time. I really don't know their economic position, but that's when a lot of American companies were buying up. You know, Volvo got bought at the same time and Saab got bought and several nameplates got sort of washed around. But GM did 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 a did a a, a bad move with what yeah, they did Saab. the caretakers of volvo which would be ford and now geely have done a much better job of preserving that brand and and being caretakers of the brand than gm was uh to either Saab or a bunch of, of brands that they had it was just bad and uh, uh another ugly one before stefan comes back uh adams this is one it's a recent one this is yep. so goofy and you talk about selling 12. Do you remember the Chevy Volt going to the Cadillac ELR? 
I don't remember the ELR at all. All right, Google it. You Google the ELR. So, uh, Stefan, we're talking about the Chevy Volt begot the uh, Cadillac ELR, which is a two-door Chevy Volt. They must have sold two out of them. I actually drove one at a at an event, and uh, the interior was actually very nice, but it was a Chevy Volt. There was nothing about it that was Cadillac. And, of course, it looked very goofy. How are you going to make a Chevy Volt into a Cadillac? Oh, it looks. I just, I just googled it. It does look awful. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's like this. Nobody bought it's it. Like a flattened sedan. It's like somebody just squashed it. Um, yeah, terrible. It was yeah, at it, least it, twice the price. Yeah. Did they start to crush it and then backed off, and that's what they were left <laughs> with? <laughs> you know, normally a low sort of sexy coupe like roofline looks good, but this is so out of proportion. Yeah, then one more, uh, then we'll wrap this up. Uh, the 2010 Chrysler minivan begot the Volkswagen Rutan. I don't think anyone, there's a, you know, Adams, you know this. I think you, you guys Rutan, know that this. sounds like some. Well, what it is, is, is there's a Touran small uh, van in Europe. And I think they just did like an anagram of it and came up with Rutan, because why not? <laughs> it, 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 Rutan sounds like a, 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 a snake anti-venom. It sounds like a dental a procedure. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it sounds like a dental procedure. Well, now, now, Steve, you probably know this. And I was thinking this this could be good because they sold a trillion of them. But also within that same sort of family lineup, did a, Re a Reliant K become a minivan? Yeah. OK, well, there was one that was an incredibly hideous little car that ended up turning into a uh, a life-changing sort of platform for Chrysler, but but I don't know about the Rutan. Yeah, the Rutan is uh, Rutan. It's just a Chrysler minivan with Volkswagen badges on it. Stefan, you remember that? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was that. ugly. Yes. All right. Well, I guess I guess that's it. If we got nothing else, let's wrap up because it's Memorial Day weekend. We want to go have some fun. And, and uh, however, I think that this last talk qualifies us to be on the board of any product meeting with the manufacturer. I mean, honestly, folks, if you're out there listening, please just, just get some people who aren't in the car business but are car fans to help weigh in. Because we, we, we could have saved everybody we named tons of trouble, money, and embarrassment. Yeah, think about Cadillac. I looked up, they made 3,000 of those ELRs. Come on. A company like General Motors only makes 3,000 of one vehicle that they spent all that R&D on to, to do some face changes. Give me a break. That's what a waste of money that was. Well, sadly, that's six times the sales of the Lyric. Oh, we're going to end on a high note. There you go. All right. Close this out, Stefan. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening today. Remember, like, listen, subscribe, tell your friends and hit those buttons when you if you're watching us on youtube or apple help to keep this podcast going because we don't have your support this podcast may not go on in perpetuity so <laughs> and the world needs us so do no. that <laughs> they need they need the opinion of three more old white guys is what the world need isn't it <laughs> <laughs>